You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. You, you feel this, this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. Well, I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Packernet After Dark. So good to have you here with us today. Welcome to your show. Show for the people. If you're new here, all you got to do is call in, leave a voicemail, or just listen as other people do it. If you're interested in participating, 608-501-0718 is the phone number. Call in, leave a voicemail. We'll talk about it. What it is will be up to you. Uh, New callers go to the front of the line. We do not have any new callers today, so why don't we get started, and we'll get started with Nate. This is still Monday we're dealing with, Monday at 6.32 p.m. Oh, uh, hey, back to it's Nate one more time. Hey, man. Um, wanted to add, if you can pass this along, I don't know if you have channels to get to uh, to Goody. Yeah. And, you know, I'm uh, your super famous podcaster yeah, with, uh, with networking skills to match no other. Um, so if you can get this to Goody, please do that for me. Sign Keyshawn Nixon. We need this dude around for a one. long time. He is the first real kick returner we have seen in... <sighs> I don't, I, I don't know, Cobb, maybe, Cobb, before he was an elderly geri- ger- geriatric, so sign him, sign him, I don't care, don't care how much it costs, sign him. Yeah, and, and again, and I've said this a thousand times, I continue to say it, I, I've been banging this drum since Trevor Davis and, and Jeff Janis, um, even as gunners, we got to keep Jeff Janis, why, he's a garbage wide receiver, I don't care, he doesn't have to play wide receiver. Every single time we kick the ball, he's down there instantly just smoking guys. Field position is stupid important, and we pretend we don't care. Don't ever draft punters, kickers, long snappers. Don't ever invest in them. Don't ever pay for them. Don't ever get this, that, or the other. And then when we don't have it, and you see how much of a disaster it is, all we want to do is sit around and complain about it. And then when we get a really good one, it's the greatest thing in the history of the world. I'd never understand why teams and fans could not care. It's the same thing with offensive line. I don't understand the lack of desire for it. I just will never understand that. I, I get why you want a quarterback, but I don't, I mean, it, it's just, I don't know. Is, it, is, is this all just fantasy football? Don't draft people that I can't draft in fantasy football. I don't get it. But now that we have it, and we can see the benefit of it, and, and by the way, it's not just Keyshawn. He can't run if he doesn't have blockers. Special teams as a whole is unbelievably important. We are, recently speaking, the number one special teams unit in the NFL. This is one year after we were not just the worst special teams unit in the NFL, which we were. We were one of the worst special teams units in the last decade or two. It was putrid. Have you noticed the difference? And what's it going to cost us? Like you said, sign them for as long as it takes. What's it going to cost to sign Keyshawn Nixon? Next to nothing. Same with Mason. It always felt like we're trying to push Mason out the door. And at this point, maybe you, you can kind of start to see the age is becoming a factor. But I never understood why we kept wanting to push him out the door. Well, he's kind of expensive for a kicker. What does that mean? $4 million? Have you watched the Bears and the Vikings over the years try to get kickers and just be frustrated as they miss extra point after extra point and field goal after field goal? And you're going to squabble over a couple million dollars to keep Mason Crosby in the building? What is wrong with you? And yes, I am all for drafting a punter. If you could guarantee an elite punter, take him in the third round for all I care. Now, there is no guarantee, I understand that, but I'm just saying, the, the, the fact that we're all gung-ho about some, you know, seventh round somebody that's never going to be anything, or you can get the top punter in the entire draft, maybe one came off the board in the fifth round that was like a, 
you know, this real, real dominant prospect or whatever. But I, I, I would almost exclusively use a sixth and seventh round for special teams because you're just getting top special teamers. Because that's when those guys are going to fly off the board as undrafted free agents. And punters and kickers are going to start going like mad. You get priority pick with those things. And same with returners. And, the, and, and, and this isn't completely impossible to project. I mean, there, there's even Valus Jones for the Bears. They knew he was a good special teamer, and he has been. I mean, he's got some fumble issues recently, but as a returner, he can be pretty electrifying. The guy out in Dallas who's been incredible, he's just a young guy. And, and maybe it's because they have a short, sh- short shelf life as far as being able to do this. I mean, obviously, Randall Cobb, it's, it's highly contingent on athleticism. You know, it's not like a lot of other positions where the athleticism could be taken over by experience and, and mental know-how. No, it's just pure raw athleticism. But so what? So draft them every year. Draft them every couple years. And then don't ever sign them to uh, another contract unless you think they can be a true, like, Devin Hester-type player that can transcend, you know, several contracts. But, I mean, I, I, and, and don't get me wrong. It's not going to be a question. They will keep Keyshawn. I just, I just will never understand the lack of commitment and the lack of desire. I mean, we, we, will, we will fight and scratch and claw for a backup guard before we will even consider taking anything related to special teams. I, I don't have any issue with, with offensive line depth, believe me. But, man, it's just that the priorities are just insane, in my opinion. Hey, Big Ryan, how's it going, bud? Hey, man. I was uh, just sitting here thinking about the game yesterday. I got done listening to today's show and, and yesterday's uh, After Dark. Yeah, everybody's excited. It's good to hear. But put on uh, Colin Coward from earlier today, watching what he was talking about, and he opened up with the Packers. And Man, this guy is just a, just a joke. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's been talking trash about us pretty much consistently for four years, how we're just not going to be any good, how we can't do anything. He's talking trash about us all this year about how we're done. It's over with. This is useless for this team. They just, they're terrible. And then he comes on this show, and he's just, you know, for lack of a better way of saying it, stroking us while looking the other way and smirking to himself. <laughs> he, he's acting like he's saying good stuff about us, but he's being condescending the whole time. Yeah. Oh, we should have been this all year. Oh, we were big good. What's been going on? No analyzing, no talk, and no admitting how wrong he really has been about the quality of our team all year. So I, I know you were planning on tearing into some of these guys. I hope you tear into him real good because I have never liked his opinion about us fly over country. Yeah. You know, by the way, if I haven't said it before and if you haven't heard it, his wife's a Chicago Bears fan. So, uh-huh. you know, I think there's a whole lot of bias coming out of his camp. You got to sure. watch this jerk. All right, man. Hope you have a good one. Can't wait to hear the show. Go pack, go. Yeah, Colin Coward is an anomaly to me. There, there's everybody's kind of in their own camp. Um, he's kind of a tweener for me. You, you've got the blowhards like Skip Bayless, um, who just kick and scream, and I don't think they believe anything they say. I don't necessarily think he's that. Then you have extremely thoughtful people that go in depth and, and do a lot of homework and all that stuff. And I don't, I don't know if that's him. I, I, I kind of am starting to think that he just has a lot of advisors, which makes sense. I'm guessing most of these guys do, including Skip and everybody else. Um, they have people that give them, feed them information. And, and part of the thing is, again, with him, sometimes he'll say things and it's like, man, that's really insightful. And that's, you know, this, that or the other. And you can actually learn stuff from him. And other times he says stuff that's like, what the heck is this? This is, this doesn't even make any sense. Like your thought process is garbage. And then, you know, he does that sharper square segment on his own show, I think, where he has these, you know, professional bettors come on um, who have their own actual professional betting thing. They've got their own YouTube channel and they'll come on his show and talk and, you know, he'll go first and he'll be like, here's my opinion. And the guy's like, wow, you're like reading my mind. This is amazing. How are you doing this? And I can't help but think, considering how thoughtless he can be at some point, if he has, for example, I mean, a lot of professional bettors, they, they have people that they talk to. You know, people that give them insights. You think he doesn't have a lot of insights? So I'm wondering if a lot of people are reaching out to him and, and he's kind of using these opinions as his own. Um, so, yeah, sometimes he sounds very thoughtful depending on where he's getting this opinion from. And other times he's shooting from the hip based on what he thinks he's seeing and it just sounds like nonsense. Um, and other times you have to shoot from the hip because you have to comment on things and you don't actually know the answer because you really haven't looked into it. And there's a really big difference um, in the quality of someone's opinion who dedicates hours and hours and hours to the subject or years to a subject, depending on what it is, 
and somebody who just kind of has to come up with something off the cuff with no real insight or information into the situation, which has been a lot of the Packers commentary, to be completely honest. Um, a lot of it has been unbelievably shallow, which makes sense, especially the national guys, the ESPNs and everything else. It's going to be shallow because they're covering a lot, a, a wide swath. And, and a lot of these guys cover multiple sports, not just the NFL. So not only do you have to cover 32 teams, but you got 30 NBA, NHL, all these other teams that you got to factor in. You got college football and college basketball and, you know, and, and you got to pretend to be an expert on everything and you can't do it. it. There's no way you can actually dedicate your your mental fac- faculties to all these things and be competent in it. You only have so much time to look into things. I mean, if, if I took the time to just do what I do here for one other team, it, it cuts my ability to know what's going on with the Packers in half. Just one other football team, let alone 32 teams, let alone a bunch of other sports. So there does have to be, even with help, an element of just kind of winging it with some of this stuff. And, 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 at the, and again, being extremely shallow. And, and that's where you have running with narratives because narratives are easy and you can kind of just gather information. And so, you know, you have the Packers and, and what do you see? Well, the Packers are on a win streak. All right, well, that's good. Yeah, but the Packers haven't beat anybody good and Tua got a concussion. Oh, okay. So it's, it's good, but it's somewhat fraudulently good. They're not actually that good. Is that sort of the narrative that we're running with? Because that, 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 that conclusion does make sense. Just with those two basic data points, they're on somewhat of a run, but it's a marginal run against bad teams and, and, and some luck has gone their way. And so you sound extremely smart by saying, I know they're on a run. I also know the quality of their opponents. Therefore, my gut says I don't buy it. That's fine on a very shallow uh, way of looking at things. But again, nobody wanted to revisit the Rams and, and the fact that they've seemed to turn some things around. Nobody wanted to seem to give credit for Miami because Tua got concussed, although that doesn't really explain the turnaround throughout the entire second half, much less the fact of, you know, things like the run defense really tightening up. That has nothing to do with Tua having a concussion. So, you, I mean, the, the point is, it's, it's good for shorthand, but it's really bad in terms of really fully understanding what's going on. And that's where that whole sharper square thing with Colin Coward always confused me because it's so detailed. How are you so detailed? It's because you got briefed prior to each game on on essentially the 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 in depth. He's not doing this homework. He does you know he doesn't have time for this. Somebody's doing the homework for him and and presenting it to him, and then he probably comes up with his own conclusion based on the data, the report that's being given to him. I need somebody like that. Give me go give me a report and somebody to run numbers for me. Anybody want to do that? I don't think it would work because I when I want to know something, I'm going to look it up in the moment. I'm not going to say, oh, I'm curious about this and then reach out to you and then wait for you to come back in a couple hours with something. And then I'm still going to want to look into it and be like, really? Let me, let me see this. Let me, well, you know what? Let me look at it from this. That, that, that. It ain't going to work. It's a fun thought. But yeah, we'll see. I'm still in the, the collection process and going through some stuff. I haven't seen a ton from him, um, but I'm working through it and, and gathering some narratives, good and bad for the Packers and everybody else. So we'll we'll see what, what happens with... Uh, Mr. Uh, Colin Coward. Hey, Ryan, it's Garrett. Hey. Uh, first and foremost, prayers for DeMar and his family. Yep. Uh, hearing good news that uh, there is some good signs coming along, so uh, thankful for all the prayers are going out to him and continue that. Um, we all know, those of us that have played this game, uh, it, it's a physical um, punishing game. And sometimes uh, things happen that we never would wish on anybody. Um, I can't imagine the mental uh, part and aspect of this game, preparations for next weekend, how these guys are going to get ready, but they're going to have to because one step slow or if mentally not in it, uh, can just put yourself in danger all over again. So I hope uh, we hear good things from uh out of Cincinnati for tomorrow and, and guys can uh, take a deep breath and uh, continue with this game. And we got to remind ourselves that it's a game. So um, let's see what happens and uh, uh, we'll move forward one day at a time. As far as the game for Sunday, um, I have to think that this team has uh, trended upward and is making progress in 
many things that uh, I wasn't really sure at the middle of the season they were going to be able to pull it off, but they have made improvements. Um, so that's encouraging. And the most surprising thing is the defense was lights out. Special teams, lights out. Running game, lights out. Passing game didn't really have to be there because running game was doing so well. But uh, only throwing for 150 yards, we just have to remind ourselves that they had great field position a lot of the time, so there wasn't a need to throw a lot. Yeah. But uh, if this team gets hot and Aaron gets hot, and for once all three sides of the ball is hitting big time, watch out. Watch out. Yeah, and, and now this is what I talk about a lot tomorrow is it's it's hard to draw conclusions because the sample size is so small. So that, that'll be the interesting thing about this game is it just provides additional data to give us uh, a better understanding of what this team even is. You know, um, things fluctuate so much and it's only one game a week and it's only 17 weeks or, you know, 17 games over 18 weeks. And it's hard to really understand what the team is. But definitely encouraged about where we're trending. As for the uh, the game, I know you mentioned they're going to have to kind of get ready to play, and I know it was more of a, a comment on their mental faculties, but um, I wanted to play this via Adam Schefter. I found this interesting and also surprising. Number one, I don't think an educated guess that they're going to wind up replaying that Bills-Bengals game from Monday night. As mm. somebody said to me this past week, the game is bad mojo. It's time to leave it behind, move forward, not back. And I don't believe the league, under most circumstances, is going to wind up replaying that game. Now we get into the fact, okay, well, how does the league handle this? And there are many ideas that the league is kicking around, and they now can go into overdrive knowing that doctors feel encouraged about DeMar Hamlin and where he's at in his recovery a few days after the tragic circumstances of Monday night. So when we go inside headquarters at Park Avenue in New York City, let me present a couple of scenarios that I think are under consideration and discussion, and I think they're a little bit different than a lot of people would have thought. One of them comes compliments of our Matthew Hasselbeck, and I want to credit him who came up with this idea, and I'm going to read it to you because he texted it to me yesterday, and I know the league has thought about this one. He said, you call the Bengals' bills a tie. Mm-hmm. The number one seed gets the choice of home field throughout the playoffs or the bye. The number two seed gets whatever isn't chosen. So either a bye or mm-hmm. home field advantage. That would be one scenario that I believe the league has talked about. The other one that I think might be even more viable and more discussed and might be the one that the league enacts before Saturday's game is this. If there is an AFC championship game in the end that involves teams that don't have the same amount of games played, where Monday night's non-result factors into who gets home field advantage, here's what I think the league would do. I think the league would say, We're not going to have any home field advantage this year. We're going to play the conference championship game on a neutral site. And Mm. so if it involves Kansas City or Buffalo or Cincinnati. That's the end of the video for whatever reason, but you get the idea. So, um, again, this this is it's it's oddly specific because Schefter does go out of his way. That was Adam Schefter, by the way, to, to say, I think. In other words, this is just his musings. But I doubt he would just throw all this oddly specific stuff out there. Um, if he has really no idea and they're going to end up playing the game. The bottom line is it, it sounds like, so far, this game will not be played. Um, my thought would be, why don't you replay it? We'll push everything back. I don't think they're going to do that. I don't think the NFL wants to do that, which I, I do understand. Um, calling it a tie actually is is a, a proposition that I hadn't really considered that makes just a ton of sense to me, as much as it has some implications. I, I think the, the thing that really kind of confuses me about the one proposition of home field advantage or a buy. Um, so let's just say, for example, and let's say that this has just become the new standard. We're just going to change the way we do things. So the number one seed chooses either you get a buy or you get home field advantage. 
And so we've got the NFC, and let's just say the season ends right now. Number one seed is the Eagles. Number two seed is the 49ers. So let's say the Eagles say, I want to buy. So the 49ers don't get a buy, but they do get home field advantage. Okay. So if the 49ers win, let's just say the one, two, and three seed all win just for the sake of 49ers, Vikings, and Tampa Bay win. Tampa Bay goes to Philly. What happens? Philly still gets home field advantage. So you still get your buy. You still get your home field advantage. The only real thing is if the 49ers even get to Philly, it would switch back to the 49ers taking home field advantage away from Philadelphia. If that even happens. Seems to me the obvious choice would be to take the buy. Because there's a good chance you're going to end up, I mean, definitively, you will get home field advantage in your first week. Which I, I, I guess is fine, but it's it just being phrased as if you're not going to have home field advantage if you take the buy is not necessarily true, especially as it pertains to this and talking about fairness. But I, I think the, the, the bigger thing is it doesn't really solve the issue, saying, well, we'll, we'll kind of change things up for the number one and number two, so it splits. That kind of assumes that the number one and number two will be the, the Bills and, and the Bengals, and that's not really the case. If the Bills, let's just say, for example, um, everything continues as planned, and the Bengals and Bills both win next week, which they probably will. Bengals play the, the Ravens, Buffalo plays um, New England. So, so, so they win the game. If you give Buffalo the victory over the Bengals, Buffalo has the number one seed, the Bengals have the number three seed. If the Bengals were to win that game, it's Chiefs number one, Bengals number two. Um, and if they tie, it's Chiefs number one, Bills number two. So, you know, and, and again, I... I I, I, there's nothing really wrong with the proposal. I just don't know how that proposal of the number one and number two thing is anything other than just an interesting idea that really has nothing to do with the situation involving the Buffalo Bills and, and Cincinnati Bengals game, right? Because again, if, if it was a matter of which one of those two gets the number one and number two, okay, fine. This is a way to kind of split that across the two, but it's not going to be Bills-Bengals number two. It's either going to be Chiefs, Bengals, Chiefs, Bills, and then whether or not the Bills get the number two or the number one seed. Um, but I don't, I don't really see a scenario, depending on what happens week eighteen, where both of them end up at the top. So I don't hate necessarily the uh, the tie situation. It kind of just keeps 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 things where they're at. Um, because if you assume that everybody wins. It, it, it just freezes things exactly where and nobody goes up or down with a tie, right? If you just don't count that game at all, the Bills are the number two seed, the Bengals are the number three seed. If you have that game as a tie, which sometimes can negatively affect your record or whatever, it doesn't do anything. The Bills are the number two, the Bengals are the number three. So again, I'm fine with that proposition of just calling it a tie. Um, I just don't really understand how the number one, number two proposition thing really fixes anything. It's just a new wrinkle for the NFL generally. And then again, as far as the neutral site thing, um, again, I mean, that, that it's kind of, um, I guess what it would be is, is more of a, an advantage for the Bills. Because whether or not the Bills or the Chiefs are the number one or number two seed, Again, this is just assuming both the Bills and the Bengals win this upcoming week, but without going too far down the rabbit hole, it's really just a matter of whether or not the Buffalo Bills or the Chiefs will be the number one seed. And since the Bills didn't have an opportunity to win the game, they're saying, well, the Bills will be locked into number two behind the Chiefs, but we'll do this little consolation thing to kind of help the Bills as though they might have won. But then at the same time, it's like, why don't we just call it a tie and leave it at being a tie? You know what I mean? Because now we're now we're calling it a tie, but we're also giving an advantage to the Bills over the Chiefs. Not an unfair advantage in terms of it being their home field, but you're taking away what is a rightful advantage from the Chiefs. I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud. It's just it's it's a it's a weird situation that I honestly think might just be best resolved at this point. Calling that game a tie for the records, for the sake of the record, put an asterisk next to it for future reference, but call it a tie and let's move on. But anyways, I found all that. Uh, interesting in terms of how the league is going to handle this. And I, and I really think the less, as much as it, it, it kind of makes sense, why don't we just push everything back? The less um, the less we do, maybe the better. And that's, I think, why I'm leaning toward let's call it a tie and not change anything else. Let's not overhaul the entire NFL playoffs. 
Let's not shift all the weeks, giving everybody effectively a bye week. Let's keep it simple. That's, I think that's my new vote. I don't know. Unprecedented situation, obviously. Craig, what's going on, man? Hey, Ryan, it's Craig. Hey. Uh, I called uh, called you from Lambeau Field at the game. Um, And was just going to give a couple other little reports, I guess, from the game. Um, I was shocked at how purple the crowd looked. I, um, I don't. I did actually notice that, and it, it's really upsetting to see that. Um, the the amount. Uh, I, I guess it's a lack of interest from Packer fans. I don't know. It, it seems like that's becoming a regular thing. We can't keep that stadium full um, with Packer fans. I don't know if it's just because there's there's a, a general lack of interest from fans because it's been somewhat of a down year or. What the situation is, I know there's been some uh, talk over the years of season ticket holders giving their tickets to Vikings fans and not being picky. But I mean, it's just it's kind of a an embarrassment when you've got a big game, uh, you know, the playoffs are on the line. It's a division rival, and they pan over to the audience. And I'm not kidding you; it looked more purple than anything else. It depends on the section, obviously, but um, it definitely sucks to see that. I feel like we take pride in being like a, a really proud fan base that travels well, and we can't even fill our own stadium with our own fans. We got more Bears and Vikings fans in here um, than Packer fans. So, um, as you know, I'm not a big go-to-the-game guy, but if you are, I'm hoping that you're a little bit more encouraged with what's going on. And uh, we, I mean, we've only got the one more game, but consider going. I don't really want to see the stadium full of Detroit Lions fans if we can help it. And if you are a season ticket holder, please do everything you can to put your tickets, if you're going to sell them, in the hands of Packer fans, please. Just saying. I remember seeing kind of the opposing team's fans dominate uh, kind of the color in the in the, uh, in the the stadium. Um, but despite that, and probably because of the way we were playing, we certainly still seemed pretty loud. And I, I heard some other people uh, talking about how loud the crowd seemed on TV. I'm not. I was interested in your perspective because I know. Yeah, I, I I didn't notice any problems, and you know that I will mention it if I notice it. Um, I know there were a couple times. I don't remember if it was like maybe later. I don't. I don't exactly. I know there were a couple times. Where I was like, "Come on, man!" You know, it's it, you can hear the kind of lackluster. Um, I couldn't remember if things were kind of bad or really good, where it affected things. But for whatever reason, I'm remembering that the Vikings were getting kind of close to the goal line, and it was just not very loud. And it it just it it was getting to that point where it kind of took a long time to rev up. Maybe it was a really long Vikings drive, because um, there, there was something in my mind where I was kind of thinking I can understand why, but still, you you got to do it. Um, and I think that might've been what it was. So the Vikings, you know, you you start off revved up, Uh, you're all fired up, even though you should be more fired up and loud as they get closer to the goal line. If you had to choose, you understand from a human nature standpoint, the defense is out there, you're all fired up and they get a first down then they get another first down they get another first down they get another, and you kind of just lose a little bit of juice, but now they're getting down toward the goal line. It's like, come on, man, don't give up now. Um, that was probably right before a pick or a, uh, Kenny Clark. It was probably the Kenny Clark strip sack but no I mean I, I genuinely I, I didn't really notice any problems which as you said is surprising because I'm stunned at how much purple was in the stands so for the the minority <laughs> of you that were there kudos on being really loud you've mentioned that before that we don't seem too loud but yeah. uh, we certainly had a lot to cheer about so again awesome game to to witness firsthand uh, the energy was great weather was perfect for a game uh, so uh, that was fun. Uh, just want to get your perspective on defense, who you think needs to step up, and not step up, but who's probably most critical for this game against the uh, the Lions. Because um, part of me is leaning towards Jair again, just on St. Brown, and just taking him out of the game, uh, similar to what he did with Jefferson, to make him more one-dimensional. Uh, but I also thought in the first game they ran pretty good on us. So, and part of me was thinking, you know, is it Kenny Clark or, or someone else in the middle? Um, but anyway, what's your thoughts on the defensive side of uh, who's, who might be most critical to, to really have a good game uh, to ensure a victory? All right, go back, go. Keep up the good work. Bye. Yeah, it's hard to pick a person, but I would lean on the secondary. Uh, if you listen to tomorrow's podcast, I got to kind of go through Dara's article talking about the changes 
And the 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 most interesting part about it is effectively, in my mind, what they've done is Joe Barry's decided that we're we're not going to focus as much on the defensive front. We're going to focus on the back end. Instead of bringing extra blitzers and, and things like that, we're going to focus on helping the secondary. A lot of interruptions today. <laughs> that little one keeps coming over to the door, banging on the door. She thinks we're going to hang out. Anyways, the the crazy thing is, and, and there's been adjustments to how we, we play, and again, Dara goes into all that kind of stuff in terms of uh, alignment and whatnot. But really, I, I think it comes down to where are we allocating our resources to an additional blitzer? Are we going to bring five guys or six guys and leave less in coverage? Or are we going to leave more in coverage and, and blitz less? And ultimately, we've decided to allocate more resources to coverage. And my favorite part of the article, as I said tomorrow, is the fact that our pressure numbers have gone up. And the reason our pressure numbers have gone up since we're bringing, bringing uh, less uh, guys to rush the passer is because the added help in coverage forces the quarterback to hold the ball longer, which gives our pass rushers more time. And if they have more time, they have more likelihood of getting to the quarterback, right? What is Preston Smith's odds of getting to the quarterback? Depends how long he's holding the ball. He can go from a 10% pass rusher to a 15% if the quarterback goes from throwing it in 2.5 seconds to 2.9 seconds. I made up those numbers, but you get the idea. And so we talk a lot about how the offense isn't leading this resurgence. It's the defense, and I think that's true. But I also think you could take that one step further. The secondary is leading this resurgence. It's the turnovers, and, and obviously credit to the defensive front. who, who are. I mean, you, you have to be able to hold it down with four. And you've also got the batted passes. you got the strip, uh, sack, fumble, recovery, all, all, all that stuff in addition to everything. But you've got the turnovers. And you've got this stifling secondary that nobody can throw against. He goes on in the article to talk about Baker and Tua held the ball longer in those games against the Packers than anybody else this season. In Kirk Cousins this past week, it was the second longest he held onto the ball. They have nowhere to go. So, I mean, you could look at it and say, hey, if we're going to allocate all our resources to the secondary, they got it. Let's say Kenny Clark or Preston Smith needs to, to thrive. But I don't think so, because it's not just having extra guys. Anybody can put seven guys in coverage. But they've got to execute, and, that, and we learned that early on. I mean, it's, it's, it's not necessarily scheme, it's execution. I can give you the help, I can give you the resources, but you have to come through and do it, and they are. It's true Jair didn't shut down Justin Jefferson because he wasn't the only guy covering him, and there was a lot of bracket coverage and, and, and whatever else. There's a whole bunch of different stuff they were doing, in addition to man coverage that Jair was in with Justin Jefferson. But if Jair isn't playing at a really high level, it's not going to matter. And that goes for Rudy Ford, who played out of his mind in that game and has become a really big part of the defense. That's also in the article. You know, the savage resurgence. Razul Douglas, what a great game he had. You know, one of the plays that was highlighted that I saw when I was looking back at, at what the Packers defense is doing is a, a play in which, you know, Justin Jefferson was bracketed, which is to say you got Jair primarily covering him, but you also got a guy to the inside. So that if he cuts to the inside, Jair can kind of like let him go, and the other guy will take over. Takes away these quick timing routes where he can just put his foot in the ground and get to the inside, and the ball's just sitting there. Well, we got a defender hanging. We're always threatening. You go ahead and try to make a cut, and we're going to jump it. Well, the problem with that is you're leaving a lot of other guys like Razul Douglas in one-on-one coverage. And so you had a, a, a route from Adam Thielen trying to get open. So he throws it to Thielen because Justin Jefferson isn't open. Razul Douglas, Douglas, blanket coverage, just swats the ball down like it's nothing. Like, dude, get out of my face. This team has been revitalized for a lot of reasons, but no bigger reason, aside from maybe Christian Watson, but, but, but that, that was its own thing before, and we still were kind of struggling, and, and that is a major factor. But the emergence of this secondary being what we always thought this secondary could be, in particular, the defense in general, but the secondary in particular, becoming what we always hoped it would be, that is, that is to me, the most important thing. So we're talking Amos, Savage, Rudy Ford, that's Razul. That's Jair. It's also Devondre and Quay. It's in his gains if he's out there for 18 snaps again because we pull our secondary. You know, it's all these guys. Tariq Carpenter playing safety. It's the linebackers. It's the safeties. It's the corners. But primarily, Razul, Rudy, Jair, Savage, Amos, Campbell, Quay. Those guys, those seven guys playing fundamentally sound football. Primarily in coverage, but when they start running the ball, they've got to be ready. And that's where the, the linebackers and everything comes in. That's where the front four comes in. But also the safeties in the corners rallying. There was, forgot what the other play was. It was something kind of similar, but they, 
you know, again, the focus is on Justin Jefferson. They end up running a screen. And what do you got? You got guys scrambling from everywhere. I think Preston caught him from behind, but you got the linebackers rallying. You got the safeties rallying. There's so much that goes into this. So that's that's where I'm at right now. I think this secondary is is playing, especially in this last game, at a really, really high level. Everybody is. I don't mean to take from Kenny, who had a great day, or uh, uh, TJ Slayton. But if I could have one wish, and we could kind of broaden it, just just give me the secondary. If I if I can only pick one player, just give me Jair because it's so critical. If you can have a guy that can really be an X factor to kind of take away a player, maybe not quite Justin Jefferson, but let's say pretty much everybody else, that gives you so much freedom to do a lot of other things with this secondary and the defense in general. You know, if you do decide to blitz once in a while, you trust him to kind of hold it down. Again, all this is small sample size, but that's kind of where I'm sitting. That seems to be where the resurgence is at. Anyways, why don't we go ahead and take a quick break right here. Uh, If you appreciate the work I do, I'd love uh, if you would consider donating to the cause. You can do so over at patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. You can sign up for just a buck a month. I know things are tight. Everybody's doing the best they can. If you got a buck, it would, uh, it's a big deal. It really is. Also, Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry. If you're looking to give to a, a, a good cause, people that are helping people, I would encourage you to go look at FertileGroundRanch.org, see what they're doing, see if it's something that aligns with your values and something that you would want to support. And if you do, they've got a way to donate right on the page. You're also welcome to to reach out. It's my dad, so uh, he'd be willing to talk to you about whatever it is that uh, any concerns or questions you have about what it is he's doing. I'm sure the contact information, email, whatever is on there. But anyways, uh, we'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Hey, Pack Daddy. Uh, it's Nate. Just hey. wanted to know if you think that um, maybe if the Bears should consider playing in the USFL next <laughs> year. I, I really think they could double their wins if they play in the uh, the USFL. I bet. You know, I bet they'd be games. really good. That's, uh, that's pretty good. Pretty good. I don't yeah. know how many games the USFL plays. I really don't know anything about the USFL. No. But I, uh, I think they could uh, have uh, some minor success down there in uh, in that league. So um, maybe pass the message along. Okay. Um, to your uh, to your contacts down in down in Illinois, <laughs> yeah. so get the message over there. Yeah. Talk to the McCaskies. No, that's that actually is is kind of brilliant because Bears fans have been talking a lot about you know twenty twenty three. Watch out, we're going to take the North and all that. Um, I think if they really are serious about wanting a championship and soon, they should consider that. I think there's a real chance, uh, despite being probably the worst team in football right now uh, in the NFL in the USFL. Um, they'd be, they'd be, uh, decent, I bet, you know? So I like it. It's a good suggestion. Get back, Daddy. It's Nate. One more time. Um, just wanted to call because I saw, um, obviously that it was announced that Rogers has a new girlfriend. Yes. So obviously our season is, uh, is screwed. Um, we're never going to win another game because, (laughs) you know, he, uh, falls into whatever relationship he's in. Uh, he's already been not playing great this season so i i certainly hope this is the exception and somehow dating an nba 
players or NBA owner's daughter. I think it depends on the person. I mean, we, I, I think the Danica years were actually fantastic, wasn't it? I remember being really upset when Danica left. Or maybe it wasn't Danica. It might have been the, the next one. I'm not really sure, but it, it kind of depends. Actually, in all seriousness, I actually, <laughs> as stupid as it sounds, I did a, uh, a study on this. I went and did research on his prior girlfriends and the timeline in those relationships, and there really wasn't a correlation. But it is still fun to think about. And let's, let's be completely honest. A relationship does impact you as a person, right? If you go through a breakup, that's not great. If you find a new girlfriend and you get those butterflies and whatnot, you feel pretty good. Now, that can have positive or negative effects. If you're feeling good about your life, maybe you show up with a little more pep in your step. You've got a little more swagger, and you want to go out there and show off on the football field. You don't want to be this old, decrepit, you know, whatever in front of your young new girlfriend. I'm assuming she's younger. I have no idea. Um it's usually how that works. But um, at the same time, maybe you're not focused. Maybe you're thinking about her all the time and you're staying out late going and doing stuff and showing her the town, taking her on a private jet ride just to show off, although she's got a super rich dad, so I doubt she'd be impressed with that all that much. But, um, you know, it depends. It's going to affect you. Whether it's positive, negative, or, or not enough to make a difference on a football field is, is kind of the question. It is kind of funny. I mean, it's it's silly and it's kind of ridiculous, but I think it's also equally ridiculous for people that get so angry at the idea that a major life change is going to impact you in any way. How dare you imply that Rogers would have any impact, positive or negative, especially negative. If you say positive, that's probably okay, but negative. How freaking dare you? How dare you? Come on, man. It's a big deal when somebody gets... Uh, New, maybe not for Rodgers, it's, you know, just kind of flying through them or whatever, but I'm just saying it's possible. And um, I don't know if this will be a positive or negative. The biggest question I have is when did this start? Because I remember a picture of those two together a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago, whatever it was, at the basketball game. So maybe this has been an ongoing thing. In fact, whenever you hear, and I didn't even hear that he stopped dating the witch, or maybe this lady's a witch too, and that's his thing. I have no idea. I don't really know how that works, to be honest with you. I've seen a couple movies, but I'm thinking that's not entirely accurate. Remember the uh, Light as a Feather, Stiff as a Board movie? That was a pretty good one. And you couldn't really tell. It's not like they... I mean, the one dresses up like a witch. She's kind of crazy. But the other ones? Nah, they're they're kind of normal. So, um, what were we talking about? Yeah, I, I, I think you need to assume when he breaks up with someone, it's probably because there's someone else in the picture. I think that's what happened to Danica. Um, remember that she like actually introduced the two together? Uh, and then suddenly Roger's like, hey, this isn't working out, and five seconds later he was dating somebody else. So this may have been going on for a long time, and maybe, maybe she's the reason that this has been happening. I don't know. I'm not sure. At least, yeah, see, this, this, I'm worried about the witch thing, because I'm pretty convinced Tom Brady, who is married to somebody that's kind of into all that witchcrafty stuff, and then he defies all, you know reason and logic about old dudes and their ability to play football and suddenly he falls off right around the time he breaks up with his family and everything um that's kind of suspect uh suspect sus as the kids say so then you got to wonder like now that the news is broke that he's with somebody is is uh blue earth sky or whatever the uh young lady's name was is going to start putting a, a curse on rogers granted those aren't real but if they were that could suck for us so, I don't know why we're having this conversation, but I find it entertaining. It helps him, but um, all of history uh, with him dating somebody would be contrary to that. Mm. Uh, the other thing is, um, I just wanted hey. to kind of mention Demar Hamlin again. Yes, um, pulling for the guy. I, I'm, I've been googling furiously like every day just to try to see if he's um, woken up yet or if he's had any signs. It looks like he's trending upwards, which is good, but. Yep. On a side note, I feel just uh, like I can't even imagine being the next team to play the Bills mm-hmm. after this. Um, you know, whether they reschedule the Cincinnati game is is whatever. Um, I, I think they should do whatever the players want in that scenario. But I'm saying, like, into the playoffs, especially if, like, DeMar uh, pulls through. Obviously, he's not going to be playing the rest of the season or in the playoffs. But or if he pulls through... 
Um, or if the wor- worst case scenario, if he remains in a coma, coma state or whatever, like that team is just going to be playing on fire for him. They are going to kick every team in the teeth until they get to the Super Bowl. Like that's motivation wise. Like, can you, can you think of a better motivation than playing for, for a player who was injured on the field? And it, it's just, man, I wouldn't want to face him. Um, you know, I hope Green Bay doesn't have to face them in the playoffs or or otherwise. Um, I don't. I don't think what it would go very well. That? Um, but regardless, uh, go pack, go, Demar. Hope you uh, hope it's turning upwards, man. Sorry about that. I uh, I'm always trying to look things up as you guys are talking to try to get the latest information and whatnot, and was looking into some stuff. And of course, these idiotic websites constantly with their pop ups. Jeez. Um, but yes, news is. Very good on Hamlin. Um, my personal concern, outside of obviously his him him waking up at all, which was a very serious concern at some point, was what are the long term ramifications? Um, you know, depending on lack of oxygen or whatever, there there could be serious heart, brain, organ issues. You know, brain damage. I, I you don't know, but as of right now, quote from the doctor: it appears all. The cylinders are firing in his brain. Um, he's able to respond. He can't speak. He has a, I believe, a, a he's on a ventilator, uh, like fifty percent oxygen or whatever. So he has a tube down his throat. But uh, he is able to write and is even saying things like "Who won the game," which would obviously imply a lot of normal cognitive ability, at least in terms of being able to relate and remember and those kinds of things. So, um, yeah, I mean, it sounds like things are going great for him, which is really fantastic. And, and you're right, there's there's a lot of issues with this. Um, you think about, like, T. Higgins and what he's going through and, you know, the guy who ran into him. And, and apparently, this is the thing I was looking up, I closed the tab because it was making stupid noise, but uh, apparently somebody, Bart Scott or something, said he was partially to blame and, and just, just crazy stuff. But the point is, yeah, I mean, you, you start to wonder, you know, not only do you not want to get hit, but you don't want to hit somebody. I mean, th- this has impacted people all around the world, and, and especially in the United States, that don't even play football. You know, it, it, it hit me, and it hit a lot of other people in, in, in serious ways. Imagine being a football player. I would be honestly stunned if there weren't people that didn't retire after this year and just say, you know, that, that had an impact. I mean, I just don't want that. I don't want the risk. I don't want any of this. You know, in fact, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody retired and, and didn't finish out the season. I don't think that's going to happen, but it really wouldn't be that shocking because, I mean, it happens on Monday, and then there's no football for a week. And so all these players have had just all this time to sit and think, and, and not just the Buffalo Bills players who had to watch what happened and, and watch a very close friend and teammate and, and brother, you know, get chest compressions on the field. You know, just thinking, what in the world is going on? What are we doing? Um, and you can try to rationalize that, you know, this is a freak accident. These things happen. It could have happened to a guy walking down the street, you know, but it's still, it's, it's going to be hard to accept that. It's going to be hard to deal with that and just go out and play football and, and not have that weighing on you. You know, when you're about to be tackled or you're about to make a tackle, you, you just, it, it, it's got to mess with you, especially like you said, for, for the Buffalo Bills, but also for the Bengals. So I don't know. I, I, I feel like this is a very unresolved issue, and I don't just mean with Hamlin and, and his recovery. I just mean it, it feels like this has shaken up the NFL in a very serious way, and I feel like we're trying to just push through it, and I don't know if that's going to actually happen um, without something happening. I don't I don't exactly know what that would be, but um, it feels like it's it's too big to be able to just kind of casually push past it you know we'll we'll call it a tie and then Bengals and and bills you go out and play and you know maybe you win maybe you lose i don't know and then you take some time and then we'll go into the playoffs and you know we'll we'll see how it goes i guess just just slowly day at a time get through this that may be the best thing it just it feels like it's it can't be that i'm not advocating for any kind of major overhaul i'm i'm, I'm just saying it feels like I mean, am I, am I wrong? It feels like we're trying to push through this, and it's just it's not going to work for some reason. Are they going to be able to take the field? 
Are the Buffalo Bills going to be able to do it? Are they going to be willing to do it? Same with the Bengals. And, and you know, again, there's we haven't been able to, to talk to every single player and coach and know what's going on in their minds. I'm, my assumption is everybody will take the field, but you don't know. You don't know what's going on with conversations with people's families and conversations with themselves. Is it worth it? You know, and, and even guys like Aaron Rodgers who have retirement weighing on their minds, does this impact them at all? You know, I've got every single thing in front of me. Why would I risk this? For what? It's a seismic shift. It's going to change a lot of things. Just not sure what those things are yet. But, um, you know, right now it, it just feels like we're all, we're all focused on DeMar and his health and his recovery and, and making sure he's okay. But, but there is this lingering thing that just seems like it can't go unresolved. And I don't know what that thing is necessarily or what to do about it. Hey, it's Jersey Mike. Hey. Um, I just I just wanted to let you know because this is one of them things that I, I get to be proud about being from Jersey. Yeah. Uh, the turf on Lambeau Field is none other than New Jersey side. Oh, okay. Actually, uh, I, I've been to the farm where it's grown. It's freaking awesome. Um, but yeah, it's the best grass that New Jersey has to offer. Uh, <laughs> you're welcome for the Garden State being useful for like one thing. Uh, yeah, but it's useful, get useful for giving us the sod that everybody else's is trash and causes them to slip all over the place. I'm not saying I agree. I'm just saying we're taking a beating for your stupid grass right now. But, but now, you know, um, unless, unless they change the price, that's the only thing. Yeah. Uh, cause when I got my tour at Lambeau and I, I did my research, uh, it, I mean, this was years ago. It was it was New Jersey side. They might have updated it within the recent years, but I don't know. You can't really get much better grass. Um, <laughs> not 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 that kind of grass. The right. the stuff that we play football on. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Go back. Go. Looks like in uh twenty eighteen, they switched. Um, this is probably to the grass you're referring to. I don't know. But it says the organization recently completed a five-month reconstruction of Lambeau Field's turf, transitioning from the Grassmaster polypropylene fibers it installed before the 2007 season to a polyethylene-based SIS grass. So there you go. Although Lambeau Field houses the first SIS grass field in the United States, the technology has grown in popularity in soccer fields throughout the world over the past decade. Instead of the previous three- to four-week timetable to stitch the field, a single machine shipped from Japan worked around the clock from July 9th to 16th. It stitched fibers three-quarter inch from each other and seven inches deep, sticking up just under an inch above the ground. Synthetic fibers are intended to provide a safe stabilization for the sand underneath the field, preventing the ground from getting pushed around and becoming uneven over the course of a long season. So wait, under the field is sand. It's not like dirt or anything like that. It's, it's sand. And then a machine stitches fibers into sand. Am I, am I getting this? The whole driver of everything is we want a sand root zone. The only way to get good drainage is to have straight sand. But when you have sand, sand in itself isn't that stable. Picture the beach, and then picture you're growing season around 300-pound guys pushing each other around. The grass is going to wear, and you need something to help stabilize the sand and give it some insurance. Now i got to go on YouTube and see if I can find this Japanese machine, figure out what the heck is going on here. Oh, man, I'm going down a well here. So it, it seems like it's a hybrid thing where we stitch. It looks like literally yarn and plastic that's being stitched in along with the grass. And I found another video that seems to kind of illustrate, because they were talking about like the black, uh, whatever that's called. And that's what you see get kicked up in a lot of other artificial stadiums, is that stuff. So I think that's a different way of doing things than this. That's more of a dirt-based thing. This is sand-based, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's crazy. It has nothing to do with what you're talking about, though, but it's interesting to look into. I'm going to have to chase that a little bit, maybe later, when I'm not trying to do a podcast. It would be good. Uh, but yeah, New Jersey grass. Nice, man. Cool. Happy for you guys. <laughs> Doing great. Hey, Ryan. Uh, somebody had called and asked about the big hat thing. Yeah, um, man. Big hat. The big hat Jair's wearing. It's actually, it's, it's not just like a backup thing. I don't, I don't, I don't get it either, but it, uh, it's like all sports. Like hockey players wear these big hats after wins and stuff. I don't know. It's just, it's One like those a things, I guess. thing that's going around right yeah. now. I'm sure, like you said, it'll be gone soon. Yep. But, uh, Hopefully. 
yeah, I don't know. It's weird, but um, I sound like such a not fun person. <laughs> I don't. I mean, it's, it doesn't bother me. I don't care. It's just, I don't know. I don't find it super amusing. But if they do, that's cool. Other than that, just uh, looking forward to the Lions Packers on Sunday Night Football. Um, I mean, I really hope we can keep the turn the turnover game going because the Lions they they have an offensive moves the ball so. Um, hoping to see some more turnovers. Hopefully we stay healthy. But um, just really hoping Rodgers continues to do what he did last week. Just, uh, you know, don't try to do too much. Take what's there. And I think it win pretty easy. So, other than that. I would just add in, check out, see what Christian Watson's doing. You know, just take a peek. Maybe start there and then, then go to the next thing that you were thinking was a good idea. Not too worried about any playoff matchup. At this point, nobody expects us to get in the playoffs. It's all house money, which I feel like it's kind of was 2010. Like 2010, wasn't, I didn't even enjoy it. Like, it was like so unlikely and just improbable. And I didn't enjoy it, but like I didn't appreciate it fully at the time, you know. And um, we were kind of there again. Like, it's all just it's all gravy at this point. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Interested to see how the AFC shakes out too now and everything. And, uh, should be an interesting week of football. Go back up. Yeah, I mean, we, we we were done. We were ready to pack it in. We were toast. I'm glad there's at least a soundbite out there of me somewhere saying I'm not going to give up on the team. Uh, I think I promptly did after that, but we'll pretend that didn't happen. But I know somebody had called into this show, and I remembered that I had said that I would never again, after the 2010 season, Numberman, please don't get mad at me. I'm just telling you what I was going through at the time as well as the run the table thing, I said I would never, maybe it was, it was actually probably run the table, that after that, I would never again doubt the Packers unless they were officially out, because I said the same thing then too. They're not going to win out. They're not a very good football team, and they got to do this, and some other stuff has to break their way. It's not going to happen. This has been more dramatic, but it's like, all right, you know, I'll, I, and, unless and until we're eliminated, I will continue to support the team and say that we can do it. Again, I don't think I did, but I, I said I would. Um, and miraculously we're here, but you're right. It's, it's, it's house money. It's kind of like, uh, well, it's, you know, a near death experience, I suppose would be one of the situations where it's like, you know, really helps to realize that every day is a gift. And that's kind of where the Packers are at. Like we shouldn't be here. And if we happen to get into the playoffs, then that's miraculous. We're not supposed to be here. We are. And so every additional game we get to watch will be a gift. Now we're not in the playoffs, so I don't want to get too, <laughs> too uh, uppity right now about it. Right now, Seattle is the seventh seed. Uh, we actually have to win to get in, but um, that's kind of the point, right? We were never supposed to be here. We were not supposed to be in control of our own destiny, not supposed to go to the playoffs and lose to the 49ers. We're not supposed to do any of this, but uh, we're here, and um, until we're not, it's a good day. That's all there is to it. That was the other thing. Um all these people that want a flag on Jair for doing the gritty, like, it's just the stupidest thing it I've is. ever heard. It is. How many times have we seen Aaron Rodgers get sacked and somebody do his belt move thing? You know, right. it's got to, he doesn't do it really anymore or anything, but how many times back in the day would people sack Rodgers and do the belt thing to mock him or whatnot? And it was never a flag. And I get there's new rules on everything, but it's still not a flag. Like, it, if you're going to make that a flag, there's so many Right. Other things under a flag. It's like, can we just stop whining about dumb things? And you know, well, and and anytime should you be allowed to celebrate a sack? Period. Right. It's like, well, he's he's deliberately doing it to rub it in his face. So what? That's the point of a celebration. If you get up and celebrate sacking a quarterback, aren't you rubbing that in the quarterback's face? I mean, if we're just going to be worried about people's feelings, then there should be no celebrating allowed. Because it's going to hurt their feelings. I mean, they were really hopeful on that third and third and four that they were going to convert, and you sacked them, and now they're sad, and you're celebrating. You don't care about their feelings. Like, what are we talking about here? Shut up! Everyone's so stupid. It's insane. Now, uh, give them the flag because you still would have lost the damn game. Because right, you guys yeah, exactly. So, you know, take the flag and take take every penalty that you think you saw. Take every slip that you think we we enforced, which, by the way, it's funny going back and watching some of these clips. I do see Packers slipping on the field, too, so it's not just them. Plus, that was your own fault. You were told to wear the different shoes and refused, but whatever. 
let's let's just change every single thing that you thought was unfair that you didn't like. The Packers still are going to stomp you out. And 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 ignoring every single penalty, every single hold on Christian Watson, which was every third play or every third time you ran a route, you're doing that. And on top of everybody else that's getting grabbed constantly, we'll just ignore all of that. We'll ignore the flag that should have gone to Justin Jefferson or potentially an ejection for hitting a referee with your helmet. We'll just ignore all of that. We'll give you everything that you thought should have gone your way and didn't, that you thought was unfair, every bounce of the ball that has gone your way all season that didn't go your way and you're whining about it. Just take every single one of those bounces, give it to your team, put it in the W column for you, and you know what? You're still going to lose by two scores. So shut up. Your team sucked. You know why? Because it's true. And that's what you don't want to face. You're so worried about all the unfairness that happened in this game. What you should be focused on is you are wrong and everybody else is right. You're frauds. You're frauds. Congratulations on your record. Congratulations on winning the NFC North again. You can hang a banner all you want. You get another one. You're probably getting crowded all there with all those banners that you got hanging for winning the NFC North. And then you're going to go to the playoffs as frauds, as literally one of the worst teams in football. And I mean literally. It's not even a question at this point. I know Vikings fans get all upset about it, that you're the third best team in football. But you're closer to being the Bears than you are being the Packers or the Lions. For the entire season, not even talking about recent history where the Vikings started falling off or whatever, taking the entire season into account, the Detroit Lions, who started the season 1-6, and six, are now considered, even with that garbage start, the ninth best team in football. Green Bay had a five-game losing streak, is considered the 12th best team in football. Do you know where Minnesota is with their record? 28th. They rank 28th. DVOA, which measures the quality of your team, is saying that Minnesota is the fifth worst team in football. Fifth worst. Chicago is the third worst. Which is why, by the way, Minnesota and the fans better watch out for Chicago, and I'm not kidding about that. Last week, week 17, you know who the two worst teams in football were? Minnesota and Chicago. If you look over the last three weeks, Indy, Minnesota, and Chicago, the three worst overall teams in the entire NFL. This powerhouse Minnesota Vikings offense over the last three weeks has a negative 21.1 offensive DVOA. 28th ranked offense. You want to know why they get stomped out by the Packers? It's because they aren't just fraudulent in as far as, yeah, they're not a they're not really a 12-win team, but they're closer to a 10, maybe a 9-win team. No, bro, you're a 6-win team. And you'd be lucky to get that at that. I mean, you're you're just barely better than Chicago. Over the last four weeks, Indy, Chicago, Minnesota. Green Bay number one, by the way. You look over the last quarter of the season, it's number one ranked Green Bay against number 30 ranked Minnesota. And everybody's shocked that Minnesota got stomped out. It's because you're, you're using the wrong information. San Francisco's number two, Green Bay is number one. And if you look at the last half of a season, the Detroit Lions are the fourth best team in football. The Green Bay Packers are the sixth best team in football. Minnesota is the third worst team. Chicago is the worst team. This is the second half of the season. So let's not sit here and worry about the stupid gritty. You have way bigger problems than the gritty and slipping and falling. How about this GM that you were so excited about that hasn't done jack squat in terms of helping your team? How about your defensive coordinator who everybody assumes should be fired. How about this offensive guy, your head coach, that you're so excited about in this offensive powerhouse that's supposed to happen that ultimately comes out to be just Justin Jefferson? Which, I'm sorry to tell you, I don't care who your head coach or offensive coordinator are, anybody can have just Justin Jefferson tearing people up. whoop de freaking do Your run game went backwards, and right now I'm looking at a team whose offense isn't even that good anymore. Get out of my face. The gritty crying about nonsense yeah i don't know and then the water down the feet stupid i mean packers surface obviously isn't the best they've had uh hey there's been slippage issues there it's new jersey bluegrass bro um seems like if you wear the cleats recommended by your training staff you probably don't have those issues so it's weird right um because even after the 
You know what else is weird? I, I saw the, uh, I think it was the offensive coordinator came out and made a statement, basically kind of pissing and moaning about, you know, how angry he was that guys weren't doing it. Can't you tell them what to do? I mean, what kind of nonsense is this? You have coaches recommending what shoes to wear, but you're not going to tell them they have to. If I say, hey, guys, we're wearing these shoes today, and one of my players says no, first of all, are you out of your freaking mind? You will not step foot on the field unless you have the right shoes on, dummy. Put them on. Half the team didn't even practice in them because they wanted to wear the regular shoes. It's not a recommendation. You're going to practice in these shoes, and then you're going to wear these shoes when we go to Lambeau because that's what I freaking told you to do. I mean, I, I just, I don't know how you as a coach can be like, guys are not, I'm mad because guys aren't making the right decisions. We told them to do it, and then they didn't do it. That's on you. Can you imagine if something like that happened in the military? Something catastrophic went wrong, and the generals are like, ugh, I told them what to do, and they didn't do it. Uh, it's their fault. Dude, that's on you. You make them do it. Oh, they did the wrong thing, even though I, I suggested that they go do this thing. You don't suggest. You order. Here's your shoes, bud. Put them on. Why are his other shoes even in his locker? That's not an option. It's just so weird to me. Like, we're, we're going to gently uh, nudge you to do the right thing. And then if you don't, we're going to chastise you because you didn't let... Dude, I don't know. No, th th this is what you're wearing. I don't care. It's insane to me. All off, I saw they went to Justin Jefferson on the sideline. He was changing cleats. Yeah. And I feel like he didn't slip anymore after that. So I don't even know that that's an excuse he can use because that was pretty early in the game that he switched to him. So uh, anyway, go back, go. And again, it, it's, it's not just slipping and it's not just bad penalties and it's not just all this stuff. It's you lost. You know, I mean, if this is a three-point loss, you can nitpick and cry and whine about this little slip or that little thing. Dude, it was, what the heck was the score? Like 41 to three before you got some garbage time receptions against Innis Gaines and uh, 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 the heck, uh, Corey Ballantine. I'm trying to find his name. I got the defense up right here. <laughs> Freaking congratulations. Your offense did nothing. And the only time your, your offense scored against our number one defense was three points when you started at the one-yard line and had negative one yards on that series. And you're worried about slipping and the gritty. My goodness. Anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. Uh, you guys have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.